Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Don't believe all of your thoughts. Don't believe every story your mind makes up. If you've ever done therapy, you may have experienced someone telling you that sort of thing. It seems so normal for each of our minds to be able to run away with stories that are only loosely connected to the reality of our circumstances. And because it's so easy for our mind to run away with it, it's so easy for us to believe the stories that our minds tell. I remember when I was growing up, I often would find myself at home alone in between the time that I got home and when my parents got home from work and around the time that I expected my parents to be home, I would start worrying. In our house in Haddon Hall in Apex, North Carolina, you could see from the back deck the entrance to our neighborhood uh, on the other side of a greenway in our neighborhood. And so um, I would walk out onto our back deck and I would watch cars come in through the entrance of our neighborhood. And every time I saw a car that looked similar to my parents, I would feel excited about them being home and, until I didn't see them five minutes later. And then my mind would start playing those games and running those stories. Where are they? They were supposed to be home five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes ago. Even though I knew that it was always a window of time when my parents would be arriving and there had never been a situation where anybody had been injured or lost or anything like that. I had this story that my mind would start to play that my parents must have gotten into a terrible accident or um, maybe they got caught at work and maybe that means I need to start figuring out what I'm going to eat or what, how, who, do, who should I call if something terrible happens and how would I know if anything terrible happened. And, you know, uh, a lot of this was before the current era where cell phones are so prominent. I had no real way of being in touch, especially if my parents were in a meeting or something like that. There was really no way for me to be in touch. So my mind had absolutely free reign to create as many stories as it wanted to. And of course, my mind never made good stories up, right? The story was never that my, you know, my parents were uh, buying me a gift and they would be home a little bit later because of that. It was always a story of tragedy. Isn't that interesting? As I grew older, you know, I've been able to learn how to process those stories a little bit more effectively and cleanly, and it's easy for me to correct those initial thoughts when they start bubbling up, whenever anxiety starts to take over the way that my mind is processing a moment or an experience or whatever the case may be. And I've learned some healthy practices of being able to take a deep breath and to let it out slowly and to remind myself what it means to be in the present moment and not following a rabbit trail that will only make me more anxious. It's interesting, though, that we have that incredible power of kind of creating whole worlds for ourselves. We have this ability, this knack, many of us, to be able to create scenarios that are loosely connected to our experiences of the world and 
try to figure out how we would respond to them, how we would act and them, try to figure out what worst and best case scenarios could be. We have this incredible power of imagination that often ends up being a distraction from the world, but also a way for us to engage in the world if we use it in healthy ways. It's amazing. In some ways, the stories, at least for a moment, the stories are real. They just aren't connected to reality. And I think that might be the biggest distinction between me, us, any one of us, and God. The stories I write are often, like that my mind writes, are often filled with hardship and tragedy and worst case scenarios. But when God speaks moments into existence, they're filled with anticipation and hope and belonging. That's how the story begins, right? Like the story that the, the scripture that was just read for us from the first chapter of John is kind of a retelling of the creation story that we see in the book of Genesis, right? In the beginning, there was chaos. There was a void of anything. There was just unseeable emptiness. And God spoke into that absence of things with a vision of distinct separate yet unified and harmonious beings. God spoke into existence the idea of light and darkness, of covering and uncovering. God spoke into existence the idea of land and sea, and into those spaces God put life. And from that life, God created more life. And when God created, you know, all that life, plants and animals, taking advantage of the day and the night and nourishing itself with the sun and the waters alike, God spoke into existence the idea of humanity, a people who could care for, nourish, and live abundantly within this ordered world. And then as human beings, we stepped into this incredible gift surrounded by abundance, and we started learning to tell our own stories. Some of them are hopeful and good and joy-filled. Some of them, we see characters in scripture that are so, easily capable of identifying the presence of God and walking faithfully forward. And then we see others who are more like me, whose stories that they write are often filled with anxiety and fear. And because of that anxiety and fear, they often act defensively or aggressively in order to shape the world around the story that they've been telling themselves. Words, as it turns out, have a lot of power. So when John wrote about who God is, God talked about, or John talked about God as the Word. In the beginning was 
the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was with God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was life. The Word was light. See, there's no distinction in the Gospel writer's mind between God, God's self, and the words that God speaks. The embodiment of God's mind is all of creation. And then when God chose to become a part of that creation spoken into existence, many of us were so tied up in our own stories that we failed to recognize the presence of God walking among us. And that's where the story, the, the Gospel of John starts. It starts with this idea that the same God who spoke into existence all that exists, stepped into our own world, our neighborhood, stepped into our lives. And for some of us, that meant that they, we were able to stand up and follow because we were able to catch a glimpse, a glimmer of that faithful, good, abundant story that transcends all of us. And others of us have been so wrapped up in our own small story that we have failed to see failed to acknowledge. And what's kind of beautiful about this first chapter is there's no punishment in that. There's nothing wrong with you for telling a story. There's nothing wrong with you for being distracted, but it, it means that we miss the larger story. For too much of my time, and I think for too much of many of us living here in America, for whatever reason, we have built the narrative of humanity around our own small lives, our own small experiences, and the stories that we create because of them. So when something challenges our story or our preconceived notions, our understanding of the world. When something challenges our righteous indignation, our need for power, it challenges us. And so we turn away from it, shunning it, often intentionally, so that we can hold on to whatever feeling has made us experience comfort because of our own stories. It's the wildest thing about being human is how easy it is to live into my story. And because I'm living into my story, I can ignore your story. And when I'm ignoring your story, I ignore our story. Because I'm so focused on my story and I can't see your story and I can't live into our story, I fail to see the story because I'm obsessed with narrating my own book. The invitation on Christmas morning is to bear witness to a single life that will change the course of humanity into a world where people were already fighting because of their religious affiliation, their political affiliation, their family of origin, their nation of origin, 
a small child was born. And that child united desperate classes of people, shepherds, and leaders and politicians from around the world were able to gather at this child's feet, acknowledging their small part in a larger story that encompasses them and even us 2,000 years later. Because when God speaks a story, a life, an experience into existence, it is never just about a person. It is about the reconciliation, the redemption, the abundant gift that all of us as a people living on this fragile and beautiful world, when God speaks, when God leads, when God walks, God invites us to participate in a broad story that is filled with abundance and hope and new life where the worst case scenario is never the last thing that any of us experience. And all of the bits that alienate us from one another become unessential so that instead we can be reborn because of the experiences we have in relating to people who are different from us. In God's world, there is no room for hatred, animosity, violence. In God's world, there is only space for a healthy sense of discomfort where our assumptions are challenged. There is space for an abundant meal, living again in the garden that God created for humanity to flourish within where no person has want of anything and no person is able to hoard away from the rest. And so for those of you, for those of us, who are able to put my story within our story so that we can participate in God's story, the path we walk will be fruitful and good and life-giving, but for those of us who cannot put our little story down in order to participate in the larger story encompassing us all, we will find that we are often alone. And so Christmas, the incarnation of God, comes with that invitation. There is no judgment. There is no punishment. If we're willing to look up and witness the presence of God, we simply have space to grow. And if we keep our heads down, we will find that the small stories we tell ourselves only get longer and longer and longer. And the people around us will drift further and further away because of our obsession and our little story. So as Christmas comes, I invite you to let go of those stories. Don't believe everything, every thought that you have. Don't believe every story your mind tells you. Instead, allow those stories to dissipate when they need to or introduce you to the story of another so that it might empower you and empower all of us 
to know one another better and witness the direction and the path of Christ as it guides us into that garden of abundance once again. I'm grateful to be on this walk with you, and I look forward to hearing your story as it shapes our story. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.